Welcome to The Spirit Explodes with Roger Kirby. This is our 17th study in the book of the Acts of the Apostles, drawn from Acts chapter 18, the whole chapter. Looking for a title for it, I came up with this, The Magnificent Couple. I'm going to cheat a little in this study. All our recent ones have been determined by geography, following Paul's travels. If we do that here, we shall have a very short study on Corinth, followed next time by a very long one on Ephesus. So I am going to focus on Aquila and Priscilla, the most significant couple in the early church. Our study will cover them in both Corinth and Ephesus, and glide over the fact that in between those two cities, Paul finished his second journey, spent time at Antioch, and then started his third journey. Corinth was an unpromising place. It was more important than Athens in all except cultural matters. It was a seaport on the narrow isthmus of land between southern and northern Greece, as we call it now. It was a vigorous commercial centre, notorious for loose living, yet it proved to be more receptive to the gospel than many other quieter cities. We start then by reading in chapter 18 the first four verses. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome. Paul went to see them, and because he was a tent-maker as they were, he stayed and worked with them. Every Sabbath he reasoned in the synagogue, trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. These verses have introduced us to Aquila and Priscilla. Presumably they had been converted in Rome. It has been suggested that not all the Jews in Rome can have been thrown out, since there are about 40,000 of them, that would have been difficult. So perhaps they had been treated as troublemakers because of their belief in Jesus. This passage tells us more about what Paul did than we have been told previously. All Jewish men, however study-minded, were expected to learn a trade, Paul was a worker in canvas and leather, probably cutting and stitching at a bench or sitting cross-legged with them in a small open-fronted shop in the street of the tent-makers. The three of them, working together, would have had many opportunities to chat with the passers-by and tell them about Jesus. Question 1. What are the advantages and disadvantages in working while also being a pastor or evangelist? They would not be isolated from the working world, a distinct advantage. On the other hand, they would have less time and energy for the work of persuasion and study. We read verses 5 to 11. When Silas and Paul came from Macedonia... Paul devoted himself exclusively to preaching, testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Christ. But when the Jews opposed Paul and became abusive, he shook out his clothes in protest. 
and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I am clear of my responsibility. From now on I will go to the Gentiles. Then Paul left the synagogue and went next door to the house of Titius Justus, a worshipper of God. Crispus, the synagogue ruler, and his entire household believed in the Lord, and many of the Corinthians who heard him believed and were baptized. One night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid, keep on speaking, do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one is going to attack and harm you, because I have many people in this city. So Paul stayed for a year and a half, teaching them the word of God. Things follow the usual pattern of initial teaching in the synagogue, followed by opposition and enforced turning to the non-Jews. But then Paul has a vision and realizes he is to persevere in Corinth rather longer than had usually been his practice in other cities. Things were going well. The leader of the synagogue was baptized. Well, we are told that in 1 Corinthians. So presumably was Titius Justus and many others. Question 2. What about where you are? Does the Lord have many people in your city, as yet unrecognized as Christians, as is implied in Corinth? Have you any assurance about that? Only you can answer that one, or perhaps I should say, only the Lord can answer that. Eighteen months is not really a long time, but it is long enough to remind us that perseverance is a great virtue. Now we're going to read verses 12 to 17. While Gallio was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews made a united attack on Paul and brought him into court. This man, they charged, is persuading the people to worship God in ways contrary to our law. Just as Paul was about to speak, Gallio said to the Jews, Gallio said to the Jews, If you Jews were making a complaint about some misdemeanor or serious crime, it would be reasonable for me to listen to you. But since it involves questions about words and the names and your own law, settle the matter yourselves. I will not be judge of such things. So he had them ejected from the court. Then they all turned on Sosthenes, the synagogue ruler, and beat him in front of the court. But Gallio showed no concern whatever. What Gallio said and did represents a step forward for the Christians. His decision means their dispute with the Jews is outside Roman concerns, being a matter local to Judaism. For the time being at least, that cleared the way for Paul's mission. Gallio, from a high and important Roman family, correctly saw that the state had no role to play in people's religious beliefs, provided they did not affect the well-being of the community. <laughs> Would that all states realize that these days. Now we're going to read verses 18 to 23. Paul stayed on in Corinth for some time. Then he left the brothers and sailed for Syria, 
accompanied by Priscilla and Aquila. Before he sailed, he had his hair cut off at Sencrea, because of a vow he had taken. They arrived in Ephesus, where Paul left Priscilla and Aquila. He himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to spend more time with them, he declined. But as he left, he promised, I will come back if it is God's will. Then he set sail from Ephesus. When he landed at Caesarea, he went up and greeted the church and then went down to Antioch. After spending some time in Antioch, Paul set out from there and travelled from place to place throughout the region of Galicia and Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. Ephesus was a grand city, near the west coast of modern Turkey. It was a short sail across from Corinth in modern Greece. It was destined to be an important place in the story of the early church, being written to and written from several times. Paul clearly has a high regard for Priscilla and Aquila, taking them with him as he sailed across to Ephesus. Note that they are referred to as Priscilla and Aquila, with the woman mentioned first, as she is in all but one of the remaining five places where they are mentioned. Question 3. What would you infer from that? It would seem very likely that Priscilla took the lead in spiritual matters over her husband, particularly, as we shall see in the rest of this passage, in the context of teaching Apollos about Jesus. It should be the case that in some couples the man leads, in some the woman, according to their spiritual maturity. Now we read this chapter 18, verses 24 to 28. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. When Apollos wanted to go to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. On arriving, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed, for he vigorously refuted the Jews in public debate, proving from the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. It is good to read how teachable this learned man Apollos was and how quickly he was accepted into the work of the church. Paul mentions him in his letter to the Corinthians as the nearest match to himself as an evangelist and teacher. I don't know what it is like in your context, but all too often very human weaknesses like jealousy come to the fore when someone like Apollos is around. Question 4. How can we avoid that sort of human weakness? By seeking to live like Jesus at all times, though perhaps the first step is to be quick to recognize that people are prone to weaknesses, that we are as prone to weaknesses as everybody else. The dangerous person in church life, and indeed in all life, 
is the one who cannot see his or her own weaknesses. Apollos knew all about Jesus, but there was something short in what he knew. He is described as knowing only the baptism of John. Question 5. What is it implied that he did not have, that was much more important than a mere matter of baptism? Although Luke does not actually say so, he will have been lacking the work of the Holy Spirit in his life. We can try to learn as much as we can, we can work very hard at preaching the gospel, we can be active in all sorts of areas of church life, but if we do not have the Holy Spirit in our lives, we shall be but as a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal, as Paul put it. We shall not see any positive results from all our labours. Make sure you have the Holy Spirit in your life. Baptism is a very good idea, but not absolutely essential, if it is not possible for any reason. Setting out to follow Jesus positively and purposefully is completely necessary, and that leads to the gift of the Holy Spirit. What a grand couple Priscilla and Aquila were. End of our study. Thanks for listening. Come back to Partakers www.partakers.co.uk where every day there is something added to help you in your life as a Christian disciple. Thank you.